0: Welcome to the workshop. The workshop is more than an adult Sunday school. The workshop is a systematic discipleship program for teens and adults, which takes place Sunday morning prior to the service. Our focus is to be building disciples that are grounded in the basic principles of the gospel for spiritual health and for service, and to be equipped to minister broadly to meet spiritual needs around them and to develop and use their particular giftedness for the good of Christ's church. We typically run three 10 to 12-week semesters per year in the fall, winter, and spring, and we look at having some kind of missions project during the summer. If you're interested in finding out more about the workshop, please feel free to contact our administrator at New West Community Church, and you can find us on the web at newwestcommunitychurch.com. Thanks very much. Take care. I see that we're saving the back table for the latecomers. That's, that's wise. That's good. That's interesting how that worked out. Um, your, uh, a homework question for you. I want you to take a couple minutes <clears throat> uh, to talk about is what the Lord has done for you this week. We want to practice uh, thanksgiving and praise, worship. And so I want you to take, I'm not going to give you long, maybe two minutes uh, to talk about what the Lord has done for you this week. Go. Okay, I'm going to bring you back together, hopefully there was, a, there was some sharing of, of praise to God and what he does for us so regularly and how we turn that into worship. Um, here's our roadmap. We were doing worship last week and we are, worship is all of life, right? It is not just our singing, it's not even just what happens when we gather together, although it is. Um, but it is, it is comprehensively all of our life lived as that, um, that offering to, to Jesus, a, a pleasing aroma to our God. Uh, this morning we are taking a look at fasting. Uh, and so one of the things that I want us to start with here, just to get our brain going, I'm going to give you right, get you right back into your tables and I want you to, I'm going to give you about four minutes to answer this question. What are the dangers of food and eating? Okay, I want you to try to make a list, all right? Um, Okay, I was gonna give you one answer, but I'm not going to. Go ahead. (laughs) What are the dangers? Okay, I'm going to get Paris to be our scribe. We are looking for unique answers, so we'll just go around and we'll see what we can surface. Um, so we'll start at this table. Again, if somebody else mentions something that's close to your answer, just move to a unique one, or if you don't have one, you can just say pass. But this start with this table. A lack of appreciation for God's Okay. Okay, good. Good. Lack of appreciation. Yeah, that, that's actually what um, God said to the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy before they went into the Promised Land. He says, "You know, when you're when you're eating your fill, take care that you know you don't you don't forget God." Uh, so that's great. Good. This table. Oh, and we okay. A of that's particularly... Okay. So so what you're saying is you I asked you for one and you're giving me two. No, no. That's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good. I, 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 was being a little facetious. That's that's good. Those are both great. Replacement obsession with it's kind of it's kind of like an idol, right? Yeah, very good, very good. Back table. Okay, being mindful of what we eat. Yeah, and yeah. Can you t- say a little bit more about that? Ah, good, don't let the food control you. Okay, let's, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, thank you, Paris. So that's good, yeah. Um, good, did, did you have a chance, did this table have a chance to come up with anything that hasn't been said yet? Yeah. Cravings, okay, good, good. Good, okay, we'll come back if there's some any, any new ones. Good, this table, is there anything else that hasn't been said yet? Oh, okay, yeah, there's actually a lot of that going on these days, a lot, actually. Uh, I don't really understand it, but there is a lot going on these days. It's like, yeah, 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 it's showing off your food, your hospitality, yeah, that's true, that's true. Good. Any other things that have not been mentioned? All right, Abigail. Okay, okay. Uh, boastful about, yeah, about how you eat. Okay, good, good. Alexander, what's that? Addiction. Yeah, I think we've got that. We've got obsession with food. So that'd be like a really strong form of that. But yeah, that's good. That's good. It's a good word. Rachel? I think, I don't know if it's already sort of been addressed, but the idea of self reliance, I Okay. Can you say a little bit more about, okay. So, the storage of food, being able to stock food. Oh. Right? Because you've already mentioned that people are working on several lines of Yeah. Okay, yeah. Hoarding, storing, good, good. Yeah, excellent. Dean. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, we, we love our food, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna share. Yeah, that's excellent. There's, there's, <laughs> there, there's an obvious one, we, no one's mentioned. Too much, money too much money on food. Yeah, excellent. Did you know, this is, you know, I'll just throw this in here right now. But did you know that one of the reasons that the early church, the people in the early church uh, would fast regularly is so that they could save money on a meal and give that to the poor? Yeah, good. And then, and then no one mentioned uh, the, you know, uh, the control of, you know, that your body. Getting getting fat, right? Like just not being not your body's not a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're treating it, you're just eating uh, obsessively or or not in control. Um, Good, yeah. Junk food. Either eating too much, or eating the wrong thing, or or both. Um, Good, good. So there are lots. Thank you, Paris. Uh, There's quite a few dangers here. Good thing the Lord has given us a discipline to deal with some of these things. Now. Uh, what is fasting? Fasting doesn't only deal with these things. Um, very very simple definition. There's really nothing yeah, special going on with this definition. Um, abstaining from for food for a time, particularly for spiritual reasons. Um, I, I want to. I do want to tease this out a little bit though. Even though I think that fasting has. You know, sometimes we talk about it during a season of, of fasting that, you know, if you can't fast from food, fast from something else. And I think that that's good. And, but at the same time, I think we need to retain the primary de- definition as we say that. Okay? So, so that we, we shouldn't just say fasting is just from sort of whatever we want that might be a problem for us or might, you know, we might do regularly. Um, we really, food is, there's a reason that fasting is connected with food. It's because it is foundational to us. It's because we, we need it. And so to, to go without it for a season is, is very significant. Donna. Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and that's, even though I don't personally make, my, I haven't made much in my ministry of sort of the, <clears throat> the calendar of, um, of, of, you know, fast and feasts so much, uh, it, by no means is that a bad thing to do. That's, that, that would be a, be a good thing to do, have, have seasons of fasting. We, of course, we call for fasting, especially in the spring, uh, which will coincide uh, very closely, actually, I think. I'm not, I haven't checked the schedule, if it will actually be lent, but, okay. Yeah, so, um, so we, we, we have done that, actually, for the last couple of years, and um, put it together with, as we prepare for, for Easter. So there's some overlap between what we're doing and those calendars, even though it's maybe not high priority for me. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, that, and that's, that's why I think we need to retain the primary definition of fasting to do with food. It's because it's, it's so greatly connected to the flesh. Um, and again, some of this is symbolic, but some of it's very real as well. Um, <clears throat> let me give you a little bit more of a <laughs> interesting definition. Um again, it's not so maybe so much a, a definition, but I think we can think of it as a soul fattening practice. As a soul fattening practice. Alright? Um, so let's do a quick, we're gonna do a quick overview here of sort of what the scriptures say about um about fasting. Um so a couple of uh, let, let's do a question here first. Who are some people that fasted in Scripture? Just Throw up your hand. Throw up your hand. Don't, don't speak out loud, but throw up a hand. Okay, Alexander? David fasted. When did he fast? Very good. Very good. Jesus. Very good. <laughs> when? Uh, Forty days in the wilderness. Good. Paris. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have <laughs> There's There's somebody else who fasted 40 days that Jesus was a model of Moses, yes, Moses, yeah, Moses. Um, John the Baptist, yeah. I mean, we were told he, yeah, it's, Does it say specifically that he fasted? Yeah, ate locusts. Yeah, but I think I think in another place it contrasts the when it talks about when the Pharisees are. Um, you know uh what's the word there takes nasty things to jesus and and the fact that he's always feasting he contrasts that with john the baptist i think or i might be getting that a little bit wrong Does disciples yeah yeah so there's some yeah there is some intimation that there was fasting going on there so we'll we'll talk we'll get into some passages that talk about how prayer goes together with fasting that's good anybody else no maybe they should have <laughs> but but, but Hannah fasted. Oh, yeah. Hannah fasted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beth? Very good, Esther. That's right. Excellent. Uh, no, I'll open it up, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then also, uh, also, later on, he fasted when he realized that Jeremiah's, the time that Jeremiah had spoken of was about to come to an end, and he and he. And he fasted, and that's when Gabriel was sent to him. So, yeah, th- th- so there's some significant fasting going on in Daniel's life. Awesome. Yes. It doesn't seem like that you Yeah. Maybe when you're a king. It, it is. <laughs> maybe when you're a king, you don't get up for your lavish midnight you know, snack with a table set. Anyways, good. Yeah, so somebody mentioned Esther recently. Esther is interesting because uh, the Somebody has argued, and I think, I think this is true, that the book of Esther is actually uh, a chiastic structure. Do, are we familiar with what a chiasm is? That's, I, keep, I keep talking about the hamburger, right? It's, you've got the bun on the top and then the, the, you know, some fixings and then the meat in the middle and then some more fixings and then the bun, right? It's an A, B, C, B, A structure and it usually points, it emphasizes the center of the structure. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about chiasm or a chiastic structure. And the book of Esther actually has a chiastic structure where there's feasting and more feasting and then fasting at the center and then more feasting and then more feasting. And there's, there's actually, it's pretty elaborate, uh, Ahasuerus' ah- ah- feasts and then Vashti's feast, and then Esther's feast, and the Jews fast and then the Jews fast again. So that's the center uh, of where things change. And then Esther has a couple of feasts and then Mordecai has a feast and there's the final feast of Purim with Mordecai and Esther. So very interesting. Um, you could argue, um, you could argue that you've got in the, all of the scriptures a basic chiasm when it comes to feasting and fasting, that you've got a feast in the Garden of Eden where God gives every fruit uh, for you know for the enjoyment of Adam and Eve, um, and then of course they, they take the one thing that they're not uh, they're prohibited from eating. But then, when Christ comes, you've got His fast. You could argue at the um, just before His passion, where He says at the at the Last Supper, He says, "I'm I'm now I'm not going to drink of this of this cup here. Let me re- read it for you, Mark fourteen twenty five. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God." So there's there's a there's a, a sort of fast there. Maybe if you're maybe you're uh, is Technically, maybe not, but um, certainly a, an emphasis there. And then it's interesting because um, in that passage I was remarking upon earlier in Mark, is that the same passage? Mark 2.20. Oh, no, it's, it's a little bit of a different one. But um, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, because they're questioning him. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is the same passage. Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? This is Mark two verse eighteen. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Um, and so you could argue that you've got feasting, that Christ starts prior to his passion. You could argue that we, our lives, are, are sort of a fast to God, in, and not only that we should be fasting as part of our Christian discipline, but also that in a certain sense all of our life is, is a fast. It's, it's consecrated to God as we wait for the final you know, beauty and glory of that last feast, which is the Feast of the Lamb, the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So again, you could argue there's a basic hiastic structure to sort of feasting and fasting, even in the storyline of the Bible. But that passage in Mark uh, 2.20 is helpful for us because it really states, it kind of sets a, um, a foundation for us, <clears throat> that, that fasting is a regular part of the Christian life. And this is something that I, I didn't grow up with. All right? This is something that the Lord used, a pastor that came to our church. He actually didn't, he wasn't there long, but he made a regular practice of fasting. And that was kind of the first time in my Baptist circles that I uh, was, was like, oh, fasting is something we do. You know, it's a regular part of the Christian life. Before that time, I hadn't really—it wasn't really part of our practice. And I don't know if that's your uh, experience in the past or not. But I'm—I'm I'm thankful that that's become sort of a regular part of of our church. We're willing to talk about that. We're willing to call for fasts while we pray. Um, that's a—that's a big part of 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 prayer, as well as some other things that we'll get into. But um, prayer often goes together with fasting. Uh, I'm going to give you a. Let's see what's the time. We see this throughout the scriptures. Let's take a look at, let's take a, look at, a, at a couple of passages. We're not gonna go through all of these, but um, let's turn to Psalm 35, verse 13. Can somebody maybe read, stand up and read Psalm 35, 11 to 14, please? Alexander, okay, with a nice loud voice, please. All right, thank you. So here, David is, is fasting and praying for who? His enemies, those, at least those who became his enemies. Yeah, remarkable. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Here's, I mean, here you have an example of, of Christ and his love. Um, you know, even, even as people are rejecting him, he's, he, he's praying for them. He's desiring that they would escape wrath. Um, so prayer and fasting to go together uh, uh, often in Scripture. What I would like us to do, though, is get a bit of a sort of foundational look at fasting because one of the first set of passages in which fasting is mentioned is actually in connection with the Day of Atonement in the Scriptures. And so what we're going to do is uh, I am going to give each group, each table, a different passage, and then you're going to... Uh, look at that passage and answer, what do we learn about fasting? This is a little bit difficult. We, we're really going to try to look in and try to delve, but I know you guys are great theologians, uh, exegetes. So, um, And then if you finish your passage, feel free to go on to a second one. Um, I'm going to give you about uh, 10 minutes for this exercise. So this first table, Leviticus 16, 29 to 34. This second table here, uh, Leviticus 23. 26 to 32. Uh, The back table there to my left, numbers 29, 7 to 11. The two uh, at the back here, back table, you're back to Leviticus 16, 29 to 34. Middle table here and this front table, you get the numbers passage. Okay, I'll give you 10 minutes. Go. All right, we're going to call you back. All right. Um, those of you that had Leviticus 16, 29 to 34, the two tables that had that passage, what did you discover about fasting? Okay, good. Okay, so here's my question. Does, do you think fasting had something to do with that atonement? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, it's for the whole new, yeah, very good, Yes. Yeah. so um, the, Levit- the Leviticus 16 passage reminds me of uh, James 4, 8 to 10, when it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. That is the right way to deal with, with sin. in in our lives or if we're we're not near to God. Good. Um, More could potentially be said, but let's move to the Leviticus 23 passage. Those of you that had that passage, what did you discover about fasting? Good. So there's a close association, just as in the other passage, between this affliction, which sort of symbolically represents what's going on in your heart. An atonement is still needed, but um, uh, so it's not as if we're, It's not as if our works are cleansing us but there is that inward reflection of what god is providing and very good that the fasting was an absolute command and even though there are places in the old testament where um, it it can talk about the eternality of a certain commandment and and it's a little bit of exaggerative language at times nevertheless we ought to think still it's considerably about the fact that, okay, this was commanded for the entire congregation. Okay, so, you know, for, for instance, a church to call for a fast for all of their people, that's not out there. That's not, yes, that's not beyond, you know, any kind of, you know, biblical example. Um, that that there, were, there were commands to fast. Excellent. Excellent. Um, there was, interestingly, there was also a connection between fasting and resting in that passage. I don't know if it, anybody, did anybody see that? That was, that was interesting. Um, and so perhaps there's a connection there in that fasting and resting are both ways of relying upon God and that ultimately it's not our work that's making things happen, right? It's, it's providing for ourselves and all of our needs. Okay, the Numbers passage. Okay, good, good, good. So, good, so there's that exchange there. That's excellent. Yeah, Dean. Yeah, and, and yet it's interesting because that day of hardship was also in some ways a day of, of celebration. It's, in, it's an interesting, interesting mix. But, but maybe that mix is, is captured quite well for us in the Lord's Supper, right? Where it's like, okay, is this, is this a very sober thing? Yes. Is it a celebratory thing? Yes, you know? Um, and uh, yes, that's great. Um, those of you that had the numbers passage, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep moving on. Um, so, but we saw some of the connections that, uh, that were there. Excellent job. Um, this is what a church father, Basil the Great, says about fasting. This is a dynamite statement. And I was actually going to print out his relatively brief homily on fasting. I didn't do that. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send it in the um, announcements this week. Okay, uh, It's not that long. I encourage you to read it. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a really good punchy kind of writer. He says this, Fasting gives birth to prophets. It strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawmakers wise. It is a safeguard of the soul. A stabilizing companion to the body. A weapon for the brave a discipline for champions. That's good. Fasting knocks over temptations, anoints for godliness. It is a companion of sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. In wars, she fights bravely. In peace, it teaches tranquility. It sanctifies the Nazarite, and it perfects the priest. So there you go. Um, there are many reasons that we ought to fast, and Basil mentioned some of them. So, um, here here is some I wanted to share with you a little bit too about what I have learned by, by fasting. And uh, some of the things I've learned over the years have have actually surprised me. I wasn't I I didn't I wasn't ready for them until I experienced them. And um, but I, I wanted to share some of what I have I have experienced and and, uh, and found. So one is that uh, this surprised me. I actually don't feel as powerful in prayer when I fast. Okay, I expected. Now some of this, some of this could be subjective. Okay, some of this could be me and my experience. But uh, I was expecting, you know, before I started fasting um, more, I, I expected that my I would feel like my prayers were stronger, and and actually I. I I find it difficult to pray. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, I find it difficult to pray strongly, wholeheartedly, well, you might even say. Um, So this is interesting because what I think is going on with that experience is that God is taking away in that fasting and prayer every last vestige of my own strength. So not only, like, things like prayer and fasting are, are those things that are, that are works that are sort of the least like works, right? They're, they're good works that are sort of the least like, like works. But in that, it's like as if the Lord is stripping away even that last little vestige of the works. Like, you, you, you can't even pray, you don't feel like you're praying well. Uh, you know, you feel like you have no strength. To, to pray effectively or powerfully, that's okay, because actually, you're, you know what, it's not you, it's me. Um, my mind is clearer when I fast. That's one thing I've noticed, um, and especially relative to Scripture. Uh, there have been times where my, yeah, in a, in a week of prayer and fasting, all, all of a sudden passages that I thought I'd sort of lost, maybe I'd memorized before I thought I'd lost, sometimes they're just coming back to mind, I'm, my mind is clear, and the Lord grants that clarity um, in a time of fasting. I found that there are gains in my spiritual life and understanding in seasons of fasting. That uh, as we have fasted and, and prayed a couple of uh, twice a year, that I find that I can mark my own spiritual progress almost by those seasons. Like, you know, you're, you're, yes, you're making gains at other times, and other times you're maybe not doing, you know, it's a, you, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, right? But, but I feel like those, those markers twice a year are times in which I've been able to take significant steps forward in my spiritual life. Another thing that kind of um, surprised me a little bit is that I would have thought that after fasting, for for instance, five days, five uh, days, sort of what I do these days, um, that 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 first taste of food would just be delicious. And I have found it is not. I have found that it takes that second or third meal to sort of get my my taste for the food back. And, And I think that there's something to that because as I have traded physical food for spiritual food, there is now sort of that lingering effect of, of this thing that really shouldn't be that important to me, food. It, it kind of lingers as, okay, no, it's not that, really that important. And, and the taste doesn't really come back to me for, for a little bit. And, and I've, you know, I've learned somewhat to appreciate that. Um, but our, our desires for our spiritual food, for the word of God, for Christ himself, Uh, who is our bread from heaven, is is what we really ought to desire. Um, So just to be clear about when you ought to fast. When the church calls for a fast, you ought to fast. So let me state this even a little bit stronger. When the church calls for a fast, unless there are health reasons you cannot, you ought to fast from food, All right? Now, I recognize there are some people that cannot do that. There might be others that, um, that their jobs are so physical that you know, maybe, they, they, maybe they can't. Although, I think you should try. I think you should try. There are, there are plenty of saints throughout history that had extremely physical jobs and found they were able to fast. Um, so that's not, don't assume either. Um, fast and seasons of prayer. this might be a season of prayer that the church puts, you know, puts aside in our calendar, but it also might be a personal season of prayer. And uh, fast, fast when you pray, the two, we only looked at one verse, but it's all throughout Scripture. When people are, are praying, they're often fasting. Um, whenever you have an especially great need in prayer, fast. Um, this is a regular practice of the saints throughout history. It's a scriptural example. If there is some great need, fast while you pray for a season. And, and um, even it might just be, maybe it's for, maybe it's for one meal. Maybe it's not you know, a whole day or several days, but maybe it's even just for one, one meal. And then as we saw in the connection with the Day of Atonement, and the connection with sin and fasting and atonement, uh, to conquer a particular sin, fast. Fast as you pray to conquer that sin, and uh, the Lord would grant you uh, that victory. So, I hope that one of the things that this workshop does, as we consider fasting, the discipline of fasting, is just to help you see that it's a normal part of the Christian life. It is not. It's not for you know the pastors. Okay, the pastors fast, uh, Although the pastor should fast, um, it's not just for the you know the really spiritual saints. It's not just for the you know the prayer warriors. It's for it's for every saint. It's a regular part. It should be a regular part of our discipline. So how does this uh, how does this work its way out in our uh, in our ministry model? Well, let me suggest a few things to you. Uh, a passage that I'm going to ask you to turn to, even though we'll. we'll only make a couple of comments on it, is Matthew chapter 6. Now, here in Matthew chapter 6, um, Lord Jesus, and you're going to be hearing this passage preached, I think, soon enough. Pastor Tim, when I'm on sabbatical, he's going to be preaching through. I'm giving his away. Maybe he wanted to give this away. I don't know. Uh, he, he's going to be preaching on the Sermon on the Mount uh, while I'm away, which is, which is wonderful. And when Tim suggested it, suggested it, and I think he even suggested one other thing, he's like, no, no, do Sermon on the Mount. That's fantastic. Um, but in the Sermon on the Mount here in chapter 6, Jesus gets into some of the, um, some of the disciplines, sort of the, the normal religious practices, uh, including giving, praying, and fasting. Right? Giving, praying, and fasting. And, and with all of these three, uh, there is sort of an approach that gets carried on in all of them, which is, do these things, but don't do them for show. Don't do them for show. So when you fast, for instance, don't let everybody know that you're fasting and, and you're, you know, you're not going to, you look disheveled and, and you know, ruinous. And, uh, no, you know, do your best to look, look normal, right? Uh, present yourself in a normal way. The, the, the idea is not to boast about your, your spiritual disciplines or your fasting. But here's the thing. That I think in some, in some circles, this is carried to extremes such that we don't talk about fasting at all. And so one of the things that I want to suggest to you is that within your home, your children ought to see that fasting is a normal practice of the Christian. And so uh, they ought to, your children ought to see you fast sometimes. Um, you know, maybe not everybody, you know, you're not going to do that maybe for all the church, but it's your family. You're teaching them those disciplines. And so uh, your children ought to see you fast. Uh, when it comes to small groups, as we speak the word in small groups, it's fascinating that in the early church, uh, Wednesdays as well as Saturdays often were um, days set aside for fasting. So in, in the early church, um, there, yeah, almost, I mean, there were times and places where almost everyone in the church would fast either all day on Wednesdays or at least on Wednesday evenings um, in, in the Didache. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's interesting because uh, I wonder if there's a, a place for us. We've t- I've spoken from the pulpit about the desire still there, um, maybe in the fall to start a weekly prayer meeting for the church, um, although prayer is also part of what we're doing at, in small groups. And so there may be a place there for, maybe for us to, to choose, you know, for our, our small group is on Wednesday. Um, that's why it came to mind that, you know, okay, we're, we're not going to eat um, on Wednesday evenings because it's our, it's our time for gathering and praying. But I guess something to think about at least, or maybe when we bring out the, uh, when we unveil our kind of, our, our weekly prayer meeting, that, you know, to, to have fasting attached to that. Um, and then I've mentioned already when it comes to, Uh, The church, that we we fast in seasons of prayer, and we've got one coming up relatively soon. Um, And then in the world, I think we ought to think about the fact that as we are praying for those who are speaking the word in the world, of course, we're supposed to be speaking the word in the world as well, uh, but maybe thinking specifically about missionaries and missionary endeavors, that there ought to be some times where we are praying for missionaries with fasting. Uh, and and saying you know we. I mean it, it, it hurts a little bit when you you know you give a significant amount of money away to missions. I'm not making light of that, but you know we we ought to be with them sort of in spirit on those front lines. And and part of uh, part of the way that I think we can um, we can embody that and really bring that home to us is is by fasting when we pray uh, for. For missionaries so next week I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna take a question um, here in a second next week uh, Andrew and Duma is going to be doing the discipline of hospitality looking forward to that yes Um, and uh, yeah and then look for when the announcements come through on Friday look for the uh, the fasting homily from uh, Basil that, that I put up there questions Good. Good. Great question. So for, for me, um, and, and this is, I mean, this is part of, this is part of my job. Um, it, it it looks like I don't eat anything, um, from, from Monday to Friday. Um, I just water. So that is, and, and there, and we have, we have others in our church that do that. Um, there are uh, others will do what they can, so others will do. Okay, I I can do I can do two days, or I can do three days, uh, and so they they do that. Um, others who may not be able to do that may fast. Say for instance, suppers, um, which would you know, if we're meeting during the evenings, that would make sense then, right? You're fasting during the time of prayer, so that would be another approach. Um, so. So if you've never fasted before, start with something manageable. Um, you know, try to try to fast, say, one or two meals, uh, or you know, or one day. Uh, often, not for everybody. Everybody's everybody's different. Their bodies, their metabolisms. But um, often, the first or second day will be the hardest, and then and then your body sort of settles into a bit of a sleep state, <laughs> and, and it's able to. To go on fasting um, longer again there there are differences person to person oh another really great question very good I have I have not had my children fast until you know at least until they're like teens Um, I I don't know I haven't looked into that in great detail Uh, I think though that um, I know that some of our younger ones have missed, have missed a meal for it to fast. And there, there is no danger to missing a meal in our society especially. Um, and I suspect that even missing a day would not be a big deal for, for most of them. But for safety, we haven't, we haven't done, you know, hey, listen, children, 8-year-old, I want you, to, you know, to not go without food for three days. Um, so we haven't done that. But then, the, but then we, what we do is we ask them to fast in some other way. Um, so fast from, for instance, media, no media this week, uh, or some other, no, you know, no snacks, you know, maybe just three square meals, nothing in between, things like that. Great question. All right, let's pray.